Hi, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Vet Method podcast. My name is Sanjay Mangabai, and I'm in the historic cathedral city of Salisbury in the southwest of England. And today, I'm most delighted to be joined by Barbara Royal. Hi, Barbara. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So whereabouts are you today, Barbara? I am actually in Michigan in the United States, and I am at my farm. We have an organic farm here, which is really lovely. So we're sort of just starting harvest. Fantastic. Everyone I've spoken to in in the States complained recently about the warm weather. It's not too bad where you are. It's been pretty hot. Um, mm-hmm. We've been managing. We're lucky. We're we're by water, so in both places where I am, I'm often in, I'm in Chicago. I have a practice in Chicago, and I'm right mm-hmm. by the lake, which helps a lot. And here, we're right on the river and right near the near the lake as well. So, water helps to mitigate a little bit. So, but yeah, it's warm. Sounds perfect. <laughs> so, a little bit about Barbara. She founded two integrative practices in the Chicago area. Is the author of several books and the CEO of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies, which is a global online learning platform for integrative veterinary medicine in order to provide better integrative education for practicing veterinarians. Barbara, you've been doing this for some time. So what got you into integrative therapies? Well, it was early on in my career. I sort of I lucked out because I, I started in zoo medicine and wildlife medicine. And that really changes how you think about medicine because you don't even know if an animal can tolerate a certain medication because no one has ever given an antibiotic to a sloth Uh or, you know, you're worried about an elephant and their arthritis, but how do you get them something that's anti-inflammatory? What are you going to do? So I decided that I wanted to learn more about those options in the zoo and wildlife medicine and look, look more into that. And when I was practicing for dogs and cats, it seemed like we just ignored a lot of the more sensible things that I, that I used when I dealt with wildlife and zoo animals. So if we were taking care of, say, doing a rehab on a wild animal that we were doing rehab for, if I didn't get the diet absolutely perfect. Uh-huh. And we didn't pay attention to their external environment and what they normally did in, in the wild. They wouldn't get well. Uh-huh. And it's just something so basic to anyone who does wildlife medicine or, or zoo medicine or exotic medicine. And it's absolutely foreign to, you know, sort of the small animal uh, practitioner, at least it was when I started, which was uh-huh. 20 some years ago, where you just, you would think, oh, it doesn't really matter. They just, you know, they live in our houses and they eat dog food out of a bag. Some of those things are, are way more relevant than we originally had been taught. Fantastic. And that leads us nicely to the title of the podcast, which is Integrative Vet Med Education at the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. Okay, Barbara, let's start with question number one. Who is your ideal client? Well, you know, in in veterinary medicine, we do talk about clients and then we talk about patients and I put all of that together, obviously. So for, from a client standpoint, I would say anyone that's open at all to the idea that there's a little bit more to health than just providing medicines and surgeries. Uh That's something that commonly mistake in veterinary medicine. And then my ideal patient, actually, I really consider my, my largest patient is planet earth. So I think a lot about what happens to keep everything healthy on the planet, because that's how I approached it again in in wildlife and zoo medicine. So I would have to think about, well, what kind of soil would this animal be on? What are the microbiome, you know, elements that are super important in their lives? How do they normally keep their body fit? You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. dealing with a sloth, I don't want them standing on the ground. They need to be hanging with their weird little claws, you know, and it's it's the same with every animal. If you bring me a hummingbird, I'm thinking about nectar and how to get them moving. I'm not thinking about, you know, 
oh, they're anemic, so let me give them a steak. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just thinking about the entire planet. And that's my ideal patient is one that is connected front and back to every part of the planet. And so that's really how I think about it, from the soil to the health and happiness of the food animals that are involved, mm-hmm. from the, the health and purity of the vegetation that they have to eat. So we're not putting in a lot of chemicals and things like that. Fantastic. I'm hearing loud and clear that so obviously it's important to you about world world health and maintaining our ecosystems, you know, in balance, etc. And being a vet myself, I guess some of your clients would be the ones who are frustrated in some way by the limitations maybe of traditional medicine and maybe looking for other tools, other modalities. Yeah, I do see that so often. I have people there, you know, often as an integrative veterinarian, we're the vet of last resort, Mm. where somebody's finally said, I just, there's nothing here for me. What do I do? Uh I, I love this animal and I have to have an answer. So they're coming in and they're saying, you know, if you have anything else to offer. And the beautiful part about integrative medicine from a veterinary standpoint, you have other things to offer. It isn't so frustrating. It doesn't feel like I'm always throwing the same thing and then the animals aren't getting better and I'm frustrated Mm -hmm. myself. So there's some beauty in being able to say, yeah, actually I have this many other things and another couple hands full. I've got, you know, from herbal medicine, maybe laser, maybe we're doing rehab, maybe doing acupuncture, chiropractic. Maybe we're incorporating a beautiful biome restoration plan. There's so many things we can do just dealing with mental health and physical health and then internal health that integrative medicine is such a a wonderful place to be. It's not Uh easier per se, but it's lighter. I never feel stymied. I love going to work. I love seeing a complicated case. Uh Owners are coming so heavy. They're they're done. They they don't know what to do with so many things. And I just go, let it go. Let, Let all that go. Let's just devise a plan and we're moving forward. And it feels terrific. Yeah, fantastic. I just wish that I had the courage, I guess, to explore other possibilities. In my early veterinary career, I was just laser focused on the stuff you taught at university and only thought about those things to kind of fix the problems that I was seeing. About on your own, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That leads us nicely onto question number two. What's the biggest problem your clients face and how do you solve it? I think the biggest problem really is sort of what we're saying is they don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. They can't find the resources easily. So having a veterinarian that can learn something, you know, and and something solid, like, you know, at the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies, we can teach with resources and certification and really have experts to help at the community and Uh we can connect each other to that. And so when a client comes in and they're, and they're confused, you know, if you have a tool like that, in your pocket, you feel uh-huh. as a veterinarian to be really terrific. And as a client, I think the biggest problem is they're really feeling so disconnected from health. They just don't even understand. So the biggest problem to me is that we've lost our ability to provide the causes of health. Okay. And so for each client, as they're looking, they're just like, how do I make health? Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're sort of done looking for the causes of disease. They're done looking for the the medicines and the treatments, they just want to give something that can help provide health. And I see that as one of the best things that I can offer. Fantastic. Yeah, that reminds me of um, our underlying mission as vets, I guess. Is, you know, we focus so much on disease, but the owner really wants just a healthy pet that can jump and play and somehow enriches their lives 
And, you know, in some ways, as vets, medical practitioners, I think we get focused too much sometimes on trying to fix the problem and not look at the underlying issues that could be there, maybe nutrition and things like that. I was just wondering about possibly the skepticism that you might come across. Do you still see that as an issue now or was it, I imagine it was worse before. It was, it was definitely worse before. And, you know, I started on this path over 20 years ago. So in the beginning, I, I mean, I think I literally had friends call up and say, wow, Barb, you know, you seemed, I was, I was pretty seriously Western medicine, right? Through school and everything mm-hmm. else. Research and like, you know, you, you know, we were really fond of you and glad that you were here, but there's <laughs> something wrong. You've, you've gone off the, off the road and we don't understand you. We just want to know what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not that bad. I'm, I still, you know, I still kept all of my Western medicine. I'm still in a veterinarian and I mm-hmm. keep up. And in fact, I just added, I just added. So the skepticism is hard, but what I'm, that's what I was really trying to do with the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. And then with this other program, we have the Animal Diet Formulator Program. I want things that have a lot of science behind them and that can explain it. So at the college, we have experts and resources and things like that. But in the, like in the Animal Diet Formulator, when I'm talking about nutrition, I probably have the tool that's the most complete in the world, really, because the USDA data has been, we've been correcting that. We've been looking in this diet formulator, you can put in ingredients and it'll tell you exactly how much selenium and magnesium and what are the fatty acid components and you know mm-hmm. what's, what's happening in that recipe itself and so that you know how balanced it is. And it's very scientific. And at the same time, it's, you know, integrative. And yeah, it makes sure that I'm, I'm dealing with the skepticism with some very hard science, but I'm also very open to so many different things that I just don't know about and being able to say, I don't know. I'm about that. Does that make sense to me? Does it make sense? You know, right here in my chest, is it something that, Oh, that makes sense. Or is it like, okay, that that's too crazy for me. (laughs) You know? So yeah. And you need to be able to be open to it and really look into what's out there. And then that, I think that is a good tool to just talk to other veterinarians and be open to their, fears mm-hmm. i don't i don't think of a skeptical veterinarian as the enemy yeah i don't think of any of that i think of that as an opportunity yeah. i'm excited about the fact that we can really make a difference and shift the dynamic of what we do in veterinary medicine yeah i mean ultimately the evidence is in an animal getting better a patient getting better okay. but there is an accumulating a lot of evidence based medicine now that supports integrative medicine isn't there yeah. Lots of it. People like, oh, yeah. there's no research on CBD or something. Like, mm-hmm. actually, there's a ton. Yeah. <laughs> so you just just you saying that doesn't mean it's not true. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with so many so many parts of it. Acupuncture, tons and tons of information about it. It's mm-hmm. amazing, and it can't yeah. be a placebo effect when I do it on a, on a zebra for seizures or I do it on an elephant for arthritis and mm-hmm. it's make them better. They're not they're not faking it. And then when you do it in a dog and a cat. Yeah. Shockingly effective. Absolutely. Fantastic. Barbara, what are the typical symptoms that people experience with that problem? You know, their their pain points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is just it starts small with most clients. They'll have noticed, you know, just a a little chronic problem. Uh Ear infections don't just, they just don't go away. They're just always getting a little ear infection. Oh, well, treat it again. Treat it again. An allergy you know, interdigital irritation and they're licking all the time or mm-hmm. some hair loss. It's always something small 
Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps on. And okay. then it becomes more of a problem. And so the the thing for me is to try to track back these very complicated, you know, you get a diabetic ketoacidotic, you know, liver cancer case and you think, <laughs> oh my gosh. But if you're just tracing it back to the small thing that it happened, mm-hmm. what is it that's out of whack? you can get back to it. So it's to me, there's always like this way to very easily take a very complicated case and say, okay, no, no, no. Let's just really try to figure out where that went awry. Is it all biome? Is it, you know, something else, a chemical? Are we, you know, not feeding things that are more, we should be feeding more organic and getting rid of the chemicals that have destroyed enzymes that destroyed the system that helps the body to stop inflammation. Uh That's something that I can find. Yeah, actually it is. Yeah, see a lot of these little things just getting bigger, and then yeah. So any immune system failure, Mm -hmm. any any health problem, it's really you can say, okay, I want to provide the causes of health because I'm not a good enough veterinarian to heal every single little thing. Mm -hmm. But the body is, yeah, amazing. You give it the tools, it's like I got it because thousands of years of ancestral healing to make that happen. Absolutely. So it's really a complement to more traditional medicine, which is pretty good for acute problems. But these small niggling chronic issues often have other underlying issues that um, maybe traditional medicine doesn't solve. Yeah. So it's the chronic. Mm -hmm. And then it gets to cancer. I mean, right now, one in every two dogs, you know, as they get older, they get cancer. Yeah. Statistic is that. Let's go to question number four. What are the common mistakes that people make when trying to solve that problem? You know, the things they thought might work, the things they try but fail. Yeah, I think it's mostly if we ignore, again, the species at hand. So the most common thing that I see people do is they'll, they don't pay attention to the fact that, you know, I have a dog or a cat in front of me. So a cat, you know, they're an obligate carnivore and they mm-hmm. need to move and run. And mm-hmm. you have a cat that's, you know, living in an apartment and they've got a couch and a table and, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then they're feeding a kibble food. So it's mostly a food for a different animal. It's not even a food yeah. for a cat. Yeah. And that you can, in a small apartment, create vertical space so that they can move the way a cat needs to move. You can mm-hmm. do things like that. But the mistake people do is they're not paying attention to the ancestral needs of the species. Uh, okay. So for me, it's always about, okay, what is this animal? Because again, working with so many different species of animals in my past, I'm always thinking that with each one, what's the species in front of me? What's the best way for it to be healthy? So if we're not thinking that way, that's a mistake. And then you move on from there, but it's just starting to try to just go, oh, I'm not paying attention to the ancestral part of it. I'm just going to, oh, I've got a skin infection. Then I need an antibiotic. And you go straight to the quickest pharmaceutical answer or mm-hmm. surgical answer when you miss the fact that you've entirely ignored the species in front of you. Absolutely. So there's a big, um, I wouldn't say it's a resurgence, but an interest in um, in human diets and going back to you know uh, raw diets and stuff. And that's gaining interest in animals, in pet animals, certainly in the UK, at least. I'm not sure what it's like in the States. And uh, just a feeling that there's, possibly too much grain, too much carbohydrate in the commercial diets that we're feeding that we're feeding now. And as you mentioned just now that these are omnivores, but mainly carnivores. And you know, in the case of dogs and certainly the case of cats, and maybe we're feeding them stuff for convenience and palatability rather than what's actually good for them. 
Right. And, yep. and even the palatability with the dry kibble foods, I have to add a lot of flavor enhancers and things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Foods in there isn't really appropriate for what their senses are. They don't actually have a, a sensation in their tongue mm -hmm. or any kind of sugars, but there's tons and tons of, I mean, that's what carbohydrates are, right? They break into sugars. Those are sugars. So it's potato, yeah. if it's, you know, sugars from even the starches and legumes, things like that, those are all inappropriate. And they shouldn't be in there, but they're in there because it's inexpensive and it's easy and it's easy to store. And yeah. if you think about it from the mouth on down, that's a mistake. And it's going to create so many multiple problems, dental disease alone, mm -hmm. mouth biome problems, terrible smell, all those things. I mean, it's like saying, you know, I've got a dry kibble food and I'm expecting it to chip off the tartar on the teeth. It's like, yeah, yeah. have a ginger snap or a cookie and you've mm -hmm. gone, you go to bed, you're done. You've brushed your teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, really? to the yeah. teeth. So those are all things. And just a lot of it just makes common sense. You just go, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Mm. If you add in the problem that this is highly processed, highly heated, which creates carcinogens, mm -hmm. right? So sugars, heated products that make carcinogens and acrylamide and heterocyclicamine, which are two potent carcinogens. Mm -hmm. And then you add the fact that most of these things are harvested, not organically, but they're with all kinds of pesticides like glyphosates and things like that that mm -hmm. are really rampant here in the States. I know some of that's not in Europe, which is lucky, but there are others. Yeah. Those things just come with the products. Well, there's going to be dysregulation for the immune system and other things. We're just making a mistake. We've just gone off the track. Absolutely. Back onto something healthy. Yeah, when you say it makes so much sense, and I think that's one of the mistakes, maybe in veterinary medicine, you know, practices are places of chaos and time poor, and we just don't stop long enough to think maybe. And say, yeah. what else could I consider? You know, let's think outside the box, outside traditional medicine and see what else is going on here. Perfect. Right. Uh, let's get on to question number five. What is one valuable free action that someone listening to this can implement that will help with the problem? I just say right away, if you've got a dog or a cat and you're really wanting to just step into this, but you're a little bit afraid, just add some fresh food. And my uh -huh. easiest go-to is eggs. People can add some eggs. <laughs> yeah. And there's, it can be raw. It can be cooked, it can be whatever, or add a little bit of a little bit of meat or a little bit of a sardine or something like that. Add something fresh to their diet and see what happens. Fantastic. That's a... think about that. You know, even a little bit of veg if you want to, but of course you're feeding a carnivore and they're already too heavy in the non-carnivore food. So it's not always perfect, but sometimes even just a little leftover veg, as long as it's not potatoes or starches, mm -hmm. you, can, you would be surprised at how excited they get for their and whatever it is, if it's fish or meat or, or eggs, yeah. um, and how much healthier they start to look, hair coat gets a little better, things get a little better. And then you go, oh, and then that will send you down a path of maybe doing something more fresh. Amazing. You've just proved that sometimes the, the best tips are the simplest ones. Just add, yeah. just add some fresh food, a little bit of fresh food. Yeah. A little bit of fresh food. And remembering that balance is very important. A lot of people say, oh, well, then I'll just mm -hmm. feed eggs all the time. Like, mm -hmm. That's not a balanced yeah. food. Remember, there's all kinds of things that go into a balanced food because a perfect mm -hmm. food for a dog or a cat's probably more like, you know, take a rabbit, put the whole thing in the blender and feed it to the dog. Not <laughs> yeah. brains and eyeballs, not yeah. just muscle meat, not yes. just or whatever. So, and the bones and things. So it ruins your blender. So don't do that. Not my recommendation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you have to pay attention to balance. And so you yes. want food that's balanced, which is very important, or at least you can balance with some rotation, but you need to know what you're doing to do that. And that's, that's why I, I really am very involved in the animal diet formulator. Uh -huh. That program can help people create recipes that are beautifully balanced with whatever they have on hand. 
So you can put in something say, okay, I've got a lot of venison because someone just got a deer for us and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. What do I put into that to make that balance? And you put it in the program and, and it'll, it'll help you with really good, good data. Perfect. Great. So let's go on to question number six. Only two questions to go. <laughs> what is one valuable free resource, Barbara, that you can direct people to that will further help them? Well, I think, I mean, you can get an awful lot of free things from, you know, like the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies, our website, uh-huh. which is civtedu.org, which uh-huh. is yeah, on your... Um, on the resources, yeah, links that yeah, will include at the um, podcast, yes. We have, yeah, we have webinars and things that are available. The the Royal Animal Health University, which is sort of our parent organization. So, um, but that website has some free videos and things just to start you on understanding what, what I'm talking about, really, if you're just not sure mm-hmm. how to, how to better manage. And, and then I would go to the, I would really consider if you're, if you're a, a client looking for a veterinarian, if you're in the United States, you know, the ahvma.org, which is the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, is sort of like a find a vet. You can find a more uh, holistic or integrative veterinarian mm-hmm. that way. And I believe in most countries, there are now organizations that you can find vets near you that are focused mm-hmm. on integrative. And that can really help. And then if you want to become a member or do something a little more involved, be part of a community that connects you with other people like you, that's another way. Fantastic. Those are some good resources. And, and there's lots of resources uh, out there. Fantastic. And finally, question number seven, what's the one question, Barbara, that I should have asked you that I didn't? (laughs) (laughs) I guess for me, it's sort of knowing, how do we know? How do we know we've gone off track? How do we know that there's a problem? How do we, how, how are we, you know, when you're at home and you're looking at your animal, how do I know I'm not necessarily doing the right thing? And I think part of that is something that we've we've missed in general as people, as we get more urban, we get more distanced from nature. We get, you know, we start to consider our animals more like little humans. And, you know, we've got people that are, you know, that you may dress up your little, you know, boxer in a cute outfit. And that's Mm -hmm. all terrific and fun. And don't get me wrong. I have fun with my pets. But it's when you just, the thing you know always is if you're starting to feel like, you know, someone says to me, oh, no, my pet's really healthy. They're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. They're a little overweight. They've got some dental disease. Mm-hmm. Every so often we get an ear infection. Those are the things that I started out talking about. Mm-hmm. How do you know? It's just look, do you see, when you see your pet walk in the room, do you think vibrant health, amazing, this dog is going to live forever? Mm-hmm. Or do you think, oh, <laughs> yeah. or whatever because the vibrant health thing in my opinion should be from puppyhood all the way till they're done hmm. you know ages into disease that kind of thing so i just how do you know just look start to pay attention to what is natural and healthy and start to think about it it will help you uh-huh. and help your pet and recognize you know people forget to say why yeah why is my pet overweight why is my pet having dental tartar is it mm-hmm. does it happen everywhere else like with other species no they don't all yeah. need dentals every year there's something we're doing wrong so it's, yeah. it's maybe the question is to remember to ask the question ourselves why why are yeah they, absolutely and, and make it better yeah it's a great question just don't accept the status quo you've got to know what health and vibrancy looks like i guess if you don't know then you don't know yeah, but, we don't uh, recognize there's yeah. an emergency there's an emergency 
Yeah. In my book, I write about a, the fact that I had a fire in my house and I literally, in that emergency, I ran into the burning building to save my my pets, which by the way, I do not recommend. In fact, yeah. the fireman, literally the yeah. fireman bodily stopped me and carried me out and was like, you yeah. what well, are you doing? Yeah. But it's the same kind of emergency that all of us feel like we would almost go into a burning building for our pets. We love them so much. Mm-hmm. Remember, maybe the emergency is something that we really should be paying attention to right away, right off the yeah. bat with something small. Pay attention to it and do something about it. Yeah. Don't into a burning building. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kind of like climate change at the moment. Uh-huh. But, that's a, but that's another podcast. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, yeah, right. That's our planet. That's our biggest. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, Barbara. You gave us some really valuable insights into how to provide better integrative education for practicing veterinary professionals and encourage a willingness to explore you know, other therapies, other modalities of treatment, and hopefully lead the way for it to become part of the mainstream of veterinary practice. I'm sure our listeners will take away some valuable ideas and just want to say once again, Barbara, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. You're very welcome. It was a pleasure.